Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Midweek Matinee, a weekly movie podcast. I am your host, Chris Figs. With me this week is Blake Popst. Hey, how you doing? Doing well, Blake. How are you? I'm good, thank you for asking. Also with me is D-Day hater Brett Beck. How are you, Brett? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Good. I, I thought that I was you from the beginning of the podcast uh, that you? we're cutting. Uh, <laughs> but now that I know that I'm me and you're you, yes. I feel better. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, this week we are talking about Christopher Nolan's 2017 World War II epic <laughs> Dunkirk. Brett, how did you like Dunkirk this week? It was okay. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Blake. But I, I want to preface that real quick with mm-hmm. the fact that I am fairly positive that I'm going to be not necessarily an outlier because I don't really have any strong opinions of the movie either way. It was an it was perfectly fine to watch, but I never found myself that gripped into it. I think some of it might become from the, the way that they had the multi-timeline story thing mm-hmm. going and trying to play, and I don't think it ever quite worked out the way that it did I not was anticipating. <laughs> yeah, I thought it worked. I liked it. Uh, Blake, so I guess I would imagine that you didn't feel too strongly about the movie. I thought this movie was okay. <laughs> hey, it's not just me. Sick. So I think this is Christopher Nolan's best movie besides Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could hear every word of dialogue, so it's already an outlier for a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> That's okay, true. Just to clarify a bit i like this movie yeah i think it's I, but i think it's his worst movie that i've seen i haven't seen all of his movies yeah well christopher nolan made a bad trilogy and then he made one of the best movies i've ever seen a bad tril- and then, i don't know what you're talking about oh the batman movies terrible movies so brett what are your biggest problems with uh dunkirk why didn't you like it very much or at least why weren't you invested i think that some of it is a mixture of not feeling like I had a singular thing that was working well enough for me personally mm-hmm. to grab onto and hold in. Like it's because this movie's a lot less about singular characters and most most military and army based movies will kind of do a mixture between making somewhat of a character of the you know core group of people that you're dealing with mm-hmm. and then also having the basic teamwork element that <coughs> has to go with any kind of military movie because of the nature of military. Right. But I felt like this movie on purpose, so I, I don't think that this is necessarily a flaw in the sense of it was overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the movie wanted to focus more on the group thing, so much so that they actually didn't have really the main actors the, the the main characters that we were following say much yeah all you really saw was some actions that didn't even necessarily give you a full idea of what their character was you had some ideas here and there but you do get a little bit further in the movie but i think that's part of it i was having a problem early on finding what it was outside of just you know the overcoming of human spirit basic idea of any military movie mm-hmm. that was working for me but also the when it became evident to me that these timelines were diverging when suddenly it was nighttime on the boat that was sinking and then daytime right before when it looked like it was the boat that was about to get bombed and all this stuff yeah. i was like okay now it's evident to me that there's a multi layer timeline thing going on here and much like blake i think that was the biggest thing for me those kind of moves have to be done really well and while i'm not saying this isn't really well 
I would welcome an argument as to better explain why it's done well. It didn't work for me. That's the best I can really say. Okay. Uh, Blake, how about you? So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's not that, like Brett said, it's not that it was like the timelines mixing was bad. I just don't think it did anything to like make it work. Like, why did he do? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, it felt like there was no payoff. Right. Like, why? What was the point? Like, why not just have it linear? And it, I think it would have been a far better movie if it was just linear. But of course, you know, Nolan besides the Batman trilogy, always has to mess with, like, time and that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. ha- most of the time I think it works. I think Interstellar's time stuff with the different planets and stuff worked. Yeah. And I haven't seen Tenet yet, but... Interstellar wasn't really necessarily, like, messing with time. It was just more like, this is how time works, you know? So it wasn't yeah, like... Yeah, but it still with had to do with time. That's what I meant. No, for sure. I didn't mean sure. it was the same as this, but... yeah. Yeah, like, it wasn't bad. Like, I I knew what was going on, and, like, as it happened, I was like, oh, okay, so this was then, and this was now, and that's before that, and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Like, I figured it all out, but I don't know. I just don't see why. I guess, for me, I didn't necessarily care that it was in different timelines, because for me, it was just... It was kind of like, um, you know how in Sniper Elite 4, when you sh- when you headshot someone or you shoot them in the balls or whatever, you get the like multi-angles of yeah. the bullet? That's kind of how the movie felt to me, where we were just seeing... Because Dunkirk was 48 hours, right? Like, I'm going to get into the history before we really get into the meat and potatoes of the, sh- of the movie. That was only 48 hours, and there's only so much you can fit of that 48 hours. So, to me, it was seeing the different roles that people were playing in those 48 hours you're seeing t- and i hate this i know you guys talked about it last week i hate when we do like oh tom hardy did this because i just think that they're characters right but there are no character names in this fucking movie if you didn't look at imdb you wouldn't know that the main character's name is tommy and i actually don't even know if that's right i think hey, his excuse name- me tom hardy is fighter one also, uh, that's not even right. That's not his name is Farrier or something. Farrier. Farrier. I don't even know. I was honestly being a smart ass. I was right though. The guy's name is Tommy. But outside of Tommy and Gibson, quick how Tom Hardy's basically Bane. Yes, I noticed that he was he was a better voiced Bane. <laughs> I laughed the entire time. Like in a, don't be wrong, he was fine. But I kept thinking, oh man, this is just Bane where I can understand him. Yeah, that was how I can't get out of the voice. He's stuck with that voice forever. It's like when you made stupid faces, and your mom would be like, "Hey, if you don't stop, your face gonna be stuck like that forever." (laughs) His voice is now stuck like that forever. You know what I liked about this though? In Batman, it's like modern times where there's so many better ways to go about changing your voice if you had to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like this makes sense. This is old communications from like a a warfighter in the forties. Yeah. yeah, that's you know. Ultimately, it makes sense that his voice is like weirdly choppy within that, and I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. So, do you do you guys at least understand what I'm trying to say? Because that's what, like, I understand where you're coming from. Where, oh yeah, it would be better linearly, but like, and this is the I one thing even, the movie I, did that I didn't understand was it said chapter one, the mole, and then there were no other chapters. Yeah, did you guys notice that? Because yeah. that's well, the one thing I didn't two. understand. Is there okay? See, I didn't notice that pop up. But I didn't. See Apparently, any I missed that as well. That. If there was a chapter two, then it kind of changes my opinion. But like to me, it was like, oh, there's chapter one, and then I didn't notice another chapter. Yeah, I, I guess because I was enthralled with the movie. Obviously, I loved it, so I was just paying attention to what was going on. I guess. But um, apparently, the second chapter is called the Sea. That makes yes. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that was it, and that was like five minutes after they announced chapter one, which was weird. yeah. 
So, like, within the first ten minutes, two chapters happen, and then no other chapters. <laughs> yeah, I don't re- really understand. That's the one thing I can say I didn't really understand. But <laughs> regardless of it, to me, it was like you were seeing these different angles of what's happening in these moments. Because I felt that I felt that the movie was told linearly. That's the thing. Like, I don't I don't agree that it wasn't told linearly, but it was told. You you saw what happened to Tommy, and then you saw what happened to the guys on the boat. And then you saw what happened to Tom Hardy. That's that, and then it and then it continued on. It was just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So well, you saw like three different, yeah, yeah, because there's three that, different characters we're following. We're following Tommy. We're following right, but they were happening like out of order though. It wasn't like oh, this is what's happening here. Like we saw the plane crash into the water three different, two different times. Yeah, hmm. yeah. because we were seeing different perspectives yeah we were seeing the different perspectives of those moments that's exactly what i'm saying um well look right but it still wasn't normal because normally it would happen at the same time for both perspectives right but you can't you can't show two different perspectives and have the same i don't i don't understand how that's different that happens all the time but they were showing cuts for every explosion but they were but but that's not how what i'm saying they were showing the whole story of what went on on the boat and then you went the whole story of what what happened with with the pilot and then the whole story of what happened with Alex in that small slice so you're getting which is why I wish they had done more with the chapters because it would make that part make more sense because if it was chapter one the mole and then you see Alex the pilot and the boat the chapter two Alex the pilot and the boat because that's how I felt the movie was playing out. I could be entirely wrong, and I sound like a fucking idiot when someone's listening to the podcast, right? Well, see, that's the thing about nonlinear storytelling is that you have to you have to choose and really dedicate in the way that ends up making sense to the viewer. And I think that the fact that all three of us don't clearly have an agreeing standpoint on where it's at goes to show that it didn't do enough to solidify its things. Like, I don't want to go into too much of a thing, but there are plenty of stories even recently that use divergent storylines and nonlinear storytelling to eventually bring things together. And I think that one of my more favorite ways would have been for it to follow the Witcher Netflix series where it's three disparate timelines that by the end of it, which that's long form TV, a little different, mm-hmm. but by the time that you get to the last episode, so late into this story is when they decide to finally make it abundantly clear that it is three different timelines that then eventually are building towards each other. And that works because then they come together. And I think the weirdest thing about that movie is that it, they technically try to build towards coming together, but too early in the movie, they set up the fact that they are different timelines and then don't do enough with that storytelling device. That's what it, that's why I think it feels like it would have been better near, uh, linear because I don't feel like they really did anything to push the use of being nonlinear, which you can do tons of cool things with in stories. We see it all the time, but mm. I don't know if it was partially bound to the fact that this is still ultimately fiction that's tied to reality, and yeah. maybe they felt constrained by that. I'm not really sure. I, I'm not... I don't know if another filmmaker would have done it any better or worse. I genuinely don't know. If nothing else, I mean, it's it's Nolan. He chose to do what he chose to do for a reason. And I would love to hear his, you know, I would love to look up an interview of why he specifically chose this route. Because he's fucking pretentious. That's why. 
it, it could have just been a challenge. You know, I, I know people that do that. You know, there's plenty of different art, artistic people that are like, I'm going to do this just to see if I can pull it off. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's just for me that he didn't. And maybe for others it did. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. But either way, I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit of the history of it. Cause I find Dunkirk is fascinating to me because Dunkirk is the reason that we're not speaking German on this podcast, in my opinion. Um, and it's just insane. Yes, the movie. Um, Insane (laughs) tactical decisions by Hitler because, which, unrelated to the history, I like that they never mentioned Hitler in this movie. Um, But the the whole thing with Dunkirk is he laid down arms for forty eight hours, and that allowed um, the everyone to escape at Dunkirk. And if he hadn't done that, which he didn't need to, because he had his tanks coming in, and he would have he would have ended the Allies right there. But instead, um, history is very mixed on what actually happened. But people believe some people say that he wanted to give them a chance to escape, which doesn't make any fucking sense. The guy gassing Jewish people is going to let you guys go because he felt bad. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I think he was just the theory that I was reading today that I like better is that. One guy, one guy below him, canceled his order for armistice, or I don't know if armistice is the right word. I apologize, but for peace for that forty-eight hours, so he went back and did it again for spite, and lost himself the war because if he goes down there, he kills the three hundred thousand men that end up going back and fight. So that to me is fascinating because had he gone and put a real stranglehold at Dunkirk, like he wins, he doesn't win, but because he does that, we, he loses. And I just think that's fascinating that the, the turn of this war and world war two and the future of the world is just because Hitler was a fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, the, the crazy thing about Hitler and what's crazy about that, which of course, like you said, history is kind of just telling you the best version that we can surmise and sometimes there's a lot of other politics to come into history but in this case you know there's it's just as feasible for you to look and think maybe hitler was just being you know somewhat braggadocious like you know this is too easy of a victory i'm gonna let you come back so that when i do beat you you know how deserved it was right you know it could have been something he used just to be a power play on other people like look we're so we're dominating so hard that even if I do this and try and give them a chance, a window to get out, that mm-hmm. it's not going to change anything. Yeah. But that brings me to a question because sure. I was actually unfamiliar with Dunkirk prior to uh-huh. the movie. Um, yeah. But when looking at the movie, which is still, like we said, fiction based in reality, then if he laid down arms, why was there still air? I mean, is that, was that basically. He stopped his tanks. That, but that was it. So that it was, was it, still yeah. always going to be air. Right. Because that's the other. That's so I guess it's theory. not as dumb sounding, you know, because for him to be like, well, you know, they're trying to escape on boats. Let's just sink the boats. It's 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 pretty dumb <laughs> because if he brought his tanks in, if he hadn't stopped his tanks, he wins. It's over. Yeah, but maybe but he it didn't only seemed that way at the time. I don't it, know. It that's did a, that's because nobody agreed with him. Um, in in back then, he was all his generals were telling him you can't do that, and he still did because of whatever reason that there was. Um, there, there's no good reason again because like, like I've said it multiple times but like if you really read about the war that's when he lost because he would have killed they, so they were able to evacuate 330,000 men 
and imagine just the 300 imagine britain without 300,000 men that's they're done right mm-hmm. you could make the argument that maybe if the united states gets involved they beat them but i don't think they do i think it just the, i think it's over you know you have i this is bad but i can't remember who the president was at the so fdr right Am That's I crazy? what I was about to say. I thought so. Yeah. Okay. FDR. There's also theories that he wanted the Luft, the Luftwaffe, like you were saying, the, the pilots to do to get the credit for that, which mm. they, they failed, as we see, because they escaped. But I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff, like if you, of just happenstance, like there was a, a French troop of 40,000 who stopped and fought against 110,000 German soldiers, and that also delayed them. And then crazy enough, there's one other story where a British sergeant came upon a car with German a German general in it, and he killed the driver. The general escaped, but in that car there was a briefcase that had attack plans for Dunkirk. So he brought them back, and they were also able to hold back any other people who might have been coming. Just all this happenstance ended up letting all these people escape that's why they call it the miracle of dunkirk yeah that's pretty interesting yeah i don't know to me to to me it's just i just i'll never understand why hitler did what he did i think that's what made watching this movie interesting to me like i was watching (laughs) it in that sense of this is again based in reality and you have to be careful when watching a movie a lot of people think that when it's based in reality like but that means it's really close to how it happened maybe well, you know, also, what, you know what's ironic? Maybe it's just written in a way that ultimately tells you a similar version, but does so in a way that works a little bit better. Well, what's funny is um, there were people who actually escaped Dunkirk at the premiere, and they said that the only thing that was inaccurate about the movie was that the movie was louder than Dunkirk was. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Nolan movie. Yeah, right? <laughs> also, well, that, that's the sound cool. design was yeah. fucking incredible. The sound design was incredible. But this may be a hot take. I think Hans Zimmer is doing a little copy paste in some of Nolan's movies. <laughs> this sounded <laughs> I like oh, with enough recency to say, but I wouldn't be surprised because like how many different fucking Nolan sounds can you make? Yeah, the, the yeah right, to that degree. But you know, one of the things that was interesting while we we're kind of talking about you know sound design and music and everything and how it's all layered together. Mm. I don't know that I've ever noticed it in other movies. I think maybe because of the fact that this one is meant to be a little more grounded in a lot of ways and is based around that reality. I found it really interesting that the way the music worked out in this was almost like, I don't feel like the music ever stopped. I think the the movie literally had music from start to finish. I kept noticing that like in the background of every scene, no matter what it was, there was always this kind of fast-paced something. It'd be like a thud or a little very subtle snare or just something that kind of sounded like galloping that would be run, it kind of going. Uh, and I guess it, it wasn't so much that it was syncopated where it was like out of time. It was almost like a, a steady rhythm and it gave most of the scenes of the movie or at least for me whenever i was watching them it gave every scene almost a sense of rhythm Mm. and i don't know exactly if that was planned or if it's just the way i ended up interpreting it but i don't is nolan known for just being overly aggressive with music to that degree and i don't mean that it was in this movie necessarily but the fact that i noticed it when most people talk about you know 
great soundtracks know when to get out of the way and i felt like i was always aware of the soundtrack in this movie yeah no one is the opposite of great soundtracks get in the way (laughs) or or don't get in the way i apologize because that's the whole (laughs) critique of him is that you can't hear his movies I was reading some tweets about Tenet, and they're like, I have to watch this four times to understand what was being said, but the movie's so good that I'll do it. I'm like, yeah, fuck you, that's not true. There's no way that's true. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch a movie a couple times just to be able to be like, oh, Fucking I guess this is what down. this means. Yeah, exactly. That's wild. I saw a thing where he recently talked about that and said that he was shocked that so many people from watched Interstellar, uh, like people that were in the industry were like, your sound design is terrible in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. your soundstage which, is awful. Are you sure you meant to do this? <laughs> which I don't agree. I thought, I think I thought Interstellar, Interstellar sounds, sounds pretty incredible. good. Yeah. I haven't watched it, so I'm not, I, I literally have no opinion. It was wow. just, so I do know good. that there are Nolan movies where I've had problems, and I haven't watched near as many as you guys, but where I've had problems understanding certain lines of dialogue. And I'm maybe it's not the most important line, but it does feel weird to go through the trouble of writing dialogue and having an actor say dialogue just to not actually have it audible. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't mind it. I didn't mind it. I didn't necessarily notice the music in in this, but personally, I was just paying attention to like a lot of the ambient dialogue, which I found like when it was in the movie, I always found it really haunting. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is just like, oh, save us, please! Like I was there was the one scene where you would just see all the boats in the water at night and they're all just screaming for help. But I was like, man, this is fucked up. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I like that element of the movie. Like I said, though, I thought the one cool thing about the way they chose to go about it, which of course changed how you introduce characters. I think the people that have the most character uh, development throughout the entire movie are the father and the son on the boat. Um, yeah. And I'm assuming that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sacred uh, deer kid. Yeah, the yeah. sacred deer kid. Um, but when mm-hmm. I was, you know, whenever I was listening to all that, I noticed that, like, the, I think that's partially why the music was also so noticeable is that there's so little dialogue in this movie considering the runtime. It does a, a lot in just letting you kind of hear war and what war is like and mm-hmm. when you have the moments of what should be still water it's like it keeps the, and i did like that aspect of the music is that that constant rhythm made even scenes that should be like okay this is just a boat leaving out on sea but there's still like a tenseness that c- comes over you over the movie because you're like well this is war though so it can't be safe for too long yeah so that part was cool but like you said all the when dialogue was there it was mostly pretty punchy stuff like you know them trying to call out what they thought was a german spy and having the one moment where tommy apparently as you said his name was mm-hmm. we we kind of get a little bit more of what he is morally because we're looking at the movie as is he just a coward is he trying to abandon everybody and just get away and then you have this moment where he's faced with a dilemma where it's like do we really want to kill this man you know he's had plenty it was basically among us (laughs) world war ii edition but (laughs) (laughs) but i like that because it gave you finally a moment to where i think that that's the most i really had like a feeling for that that character it was the the one character building moment that he got was that and it was a good line of like you know do do you want to do that he's like i'll live with it you know it's like what if you're he's like i don't want to take that chance it's a I like that. That was cool. Because it's like maybe he's a coward in some dis- degrees, 
maybe even rightfully so, but he's not an immoral coward. <laughs> no. You know, Brett, when you spit <clears throat> on the graves of the soldiers who died on D-Day earlier today on Discord, <laughs> I let it pass, right? But now you compare these brave men to the fictional amoebas in Among Us, and I just, I, I don't know, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> amoebas? I don't know what they're called. They look fucking weird. <laughs> fucking minions, whatever. The minions? I like minions better than amoebas. Something <laughs> how, how dare that, you right? spit on the name of the minions from the 2016 <laughs> whatever that animation studio? on the graves of our great-grandfathers. <laughs> Not Bradford. mine. I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> my, my, great gra- hey, my great-grandfather was an alcoholic who left my grandfather whenever he was super he young. Was so fuck him <laughs> oh my god so how did we feel about martin in this movie i'm sorry george i shouldn't <laughs> call him by the another character's name because i didn't really necessarily really understand what i, I get His what the point of that was was but. the only emotional part of this movie to me really it was the only part of the movie where i felt something yeah hmm because the it, rest of it i liked i was like hey this is interesting and fun to watch tom hardy shoot down planes or attempt to or whatever but when it, he died I mean, that was like oh man that fucking sucks it kind of felt like they had to force emotional weight into that part and i didn't really understand like why they were doing that outside of showing like all the horrors of what was going on and how it affected the uh, cillian murphy's character who mm-hmm. my point about names is especially prevalent in his character because he is credited as shaking soldier great not even kidding that's his credit in (laughs) in the movie which blows me away but um yeah i don't know it just that part felt weird to me where it's like did you really need this to happen um i don't know how did brad how did you feel about it i was kind of a mix like blake i think it was one of the only times i felt something about an immediate death in the movie Mm mm-hmm but that's also because the movie kind of skirted around really killing people that you were following that you felt like you yeah. at least n- kind well, of knew who they were besides him. So when you had that come up, it was the first time, like really the, probably the only death where I was like, huh? And at the same time, like you, it felt a little bit like they did it because they felt like they needed to force some kind of emotional depth into that scene. Yeah. When I think that if I'm, it's, I know it sounds weird, but I think that you probably could have gotten away with just the fact that this kid fell and is now blind. Like, I don't necessarily know that he has to die for you to still see, like, this is the price of war. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think you had to go that route where I don't, I don't want to say it's shock value, but I guess that's kind of what it it approaches. Yeah. It felt like, um, almost like wish fulfillment for him but in like the weirdest way possible you know because they have that talk where he wants to be in the newspaper and he wants people to know he did something great mm-hmm. and then he ends the end the movie with him being in a newspaper and people knowing that he was a hero at dunkirk which, which that was nice it was but it, it to me it was kind of like ah, i guess he didn't i don't know i didn't necessarily feel anything when, but it when felt that. hollow too because it's like yeah. there he is he didn't actually do anything but you're still going to honor his memory in a way yeah and that's that's exactly what i was gonna say it's it's a little fucked up but he didn't do anything he he died before they got to dunkirk you know well he had the he had the nerve to get on the boat when he didn't have to i that's guess true. you know that's he, he showed bravery if nothing else 
Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do we want to talk about some of the scenes that we really liked? Real quick, I do want to add Go on to it. what Brett was saying. The reason I think to the difference between like this movie and Saving Private Ryan, for example, and the emotional impact on like the soldiers dying mm-hmm. is very drastic to me. Like when I watch Saving Private Ryan, even on many rewatches, the beginning on D Day when people are dying, like it's very emotional and you know, it's gut wrenching to see that happen, but when people died in this movie, something about it I just like obviously these were in a sense real yeah. people eventually. So it's heart wrenching because you know it actually happened. But you sure. know what I mean? Like seeing the people die on screen didn't affect me in this movie in the way that Saving Private Ryan did, just as an example. Well, they presented it differently, you know. That was a big thing mm-hmm. that I I partially enjoyed, but at the same time, I think it makes it feel a little less movie-like, and I don't think that that has to be a bad thing. But the death in this movie was very much grounded in what war really is, which is that in the moment, if if people die around you, you almost can't be too bothered to slow and do anything unless you yeah. see that they're injured and have a chance to make it, which is kind of what you see in the movie. You know, you see them go out of their way when they see that someone is alive. It's like, oh, okay. Let's go after these people. These are the wounded, and we're worried about the wounded. But when someone dies, you know, when they're bombing the beach and you see those just dead bodies that come down and the guy just stands up and the majority of the soldiers soldiers don't even go and check the people who died. Yeah. It's I think it's part of the reality of that comes with war and <clears throat> you have to somewhat desensitize yourself to death because otherwise sure, mm-hmm. you're just going to be owned by it. So I think that that was a cool way to show a very grounded take on it. Whereas, you know, again, it's been a long time since I've seen saving private Ryan, probably over 10 years. I did enjoy it, but I remember that death was shown in a much more grandiose fashion in that. It's like, you know, every, it, it wasn't, was, I won't say I won't say too much, but you know, it was a little more along the lines of something like Tropic Thunder scene at the beginning when okay, they were either trying no. to make his death. Hold on, that was a cl- clearly exaggerated, but you know, it's like they'll do a slow motion cut, and even something like some of the death scenes that you see in like Jacob's Ladder. You know what I mean? Well, in Saving Private Ryan, mainly the beginning, like the D-Day scene, which was sure. reminiscent to the scene in this one with the bombs dropping and stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the D, like D-Day as a whole was much worse, like death-wise or whatever, you know, than at least what was shown in this one. In well, this yeah, movie. that's the point of Dunkirk um, is people, a lot of people didn't really die. Right. And what I saw, but I was it just was saying like 3,000 out of, out of all those people, which is a lot of people, but right, compared yeah. to what should have, I shouldn't say should have, but what could have happened. Yeah, <laughs> what should have happened? What the fuck, dude? I listen. If Hitler was smart, he would have killed them all. That's all I meant. No, yeah, no. The um, but with Saving Private Ryan, like it did go slow motion, but it was because mm. a bomb had dropped right in front of him, and like all the sound cut out, and it was. I think it was realistic in that sense because when something bad happens in front of you, time does feel like it's slower. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't understand. think it was slow motion in yeah. the sense of like. Hey, check out this guy whose legs have been ripped off and there's fucking blood everywhere. Isn't that cool? You know what I mean? I don't think it was like that. I think it was very intense and very meaningful the way way that it was displayed on Saving Private Ryan. But there was more of the emotional Yeah, it's definitely a different way. I don't disagree there. One of my big things, uh, I've never actually seen Saving Private Ryan and my brother hates me for it, but... I hate you too. From from what I do know about that movie, <laughs> weren't a lot of the deaths you see like people directly related to Tom Hanks's character? So no. 
okay well then fuck me i'm just gonna stop talking but <laughs> i think <laughs> well he's talking specifically about the intro whereas you have very little character set up mm-hmm. i'm not gonna say the exact intro but it's early movie and you're not as connected with anybody anyway and there's a lot of deaths that are just there you before you're really given any time to connect with people whereas this movie is similar in that you're not given time to connect to any very few people other than just screen time you know it did get to the point where i was like you know even though he's not done much if they kill tom uh tom um hardy hardy's character thank you i don't know why i was gonna say holland his name is bane (laughs) but yeah if they killed tom hardy's character there was almost like a silent respect that i had managed to build up with him even though he didn't have much like you know you got to see his actions this thing like you know he could have turned around and abandoned and done a lot of things the fact that he was unsure of how much fuel he had. So you you get a respect for him. Yeah, I like that. So if they would have killed him at the end, I think that would have been a pretty ballsy move, and I think that would have actually been the most impactful death movie. See, I'm glad I, they didn't. I would argue that what happens to him is worse. Because <laughs> he gets captured by Nazis at the end. That's the only time we see Nazi soldiers, is they, they capture him. Wait. Did you watch a different version of Dunkirk than me? No, he gets he lands on the beach and gets captured by Nazis. The last scene I saw of him was his plane burning. Yes, and he gets captured I, by Nazis. <laughs> I didn't see that. I'm being 100 percent with you. I didn't. Well, see you that did either. not finish the movie. Neither did you. Neither of you finished the movie because that's. The I, no, I watched it till the credits rolled. What the fuck did I miss? Yeah, he's watching it burn, and then you see three soldiers come up and take him away. With their guns drawn on him, congratulating him. him. No, he he no, was being kidding. taken. No, I didn't away. see it at all. Like, oh, I, I didn't either. And even what then, the let's just say that that is what happened. I'm confused as to why I didn't I mean, see it, it either at this is. point. But um, more importantly, didn't he do that to himself by shooting the flare gun into the plane so it would burn? Yeah, he burned. He so okay. You got. You I don't. Have to do that. I feel like you have to watch the ending of. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you. you Apparently, take I have to. Yeah, you do, but. I, the way I interpreted it was he blew he burned his plane because he knew that he was in enemy territory and he didn't want them to have the secrets of the plane. That's why he burned the plane. Weren't the Nazis much more technologically advanced than no. we are? I mean, not there are power I, I won't say much more, but I mean they weren't hurting for you know military know-how. Well, our plane we we had Rolls Royce engines; they didn't. And even still, just having the secrets of what makes a, a, an English the, the opponents, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, is, but is just, valuable, and maybe that is it. But I mean, at the same time, he just sat there and watched it burn. I guess to make sure they couldn't come put it out. Is that because yeah, he could well, have he done any? He number couldn't of go things, anywhere. But, he knew where he was. That's the thing. That's why, I like it. I okay. suppose so. It's like a it's like a haunting. Which I mean, I did get that feeling of like, well, he's on the island. I just rewatched and- that. It wasn't the direct ending. It was like three or four minutes before the very ending, and Whoa. it's a well, no, sure. I was just <laughs> I was just saying for clarification for me and Brett. So it's like seven minutes and forty seconds before the ending, um, and that includes credits or whatever. But and it's like two seconds long and it's blurry it's focused on tom hardy's face and there's two people behind him with guns pointing at him and they hit him with the gun like point like poke him with it or whatever and then he starts walking off the screen and then it cuts back to the boys on the train so yeah. i don't know how i missed that i might have been writing a note or something when that happened because it was so well, quick like just watching it now it couldn't have been more than two seconds wild okay 
it's yeah, I don't interesting know how that it. both of us missed it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think his ending is definitely worse than death, personally. No, no, knowing knowing that, where it's like, it, see, because before I thought it was vague, like, well, probably something happened to him because he's on this island, or whatever it is, but, um, yeah, that's The island of interesting. Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean yes. is he's clearly in a, in a landlocked, uh, you know, a locked territory area. I didn't know exactly. Yeah, landlocked what, is the definition I mean, that was, of an that island. That was supposed to be France, right? <laughs> Yeah, Stonkers in France. Okay, uh, it wasn't that I was doubting you. I just thought it was weird that we both had the same miss. No, for sure. I yeah. could, I could understand I one of us three missing it. The chances of sixty-six percent of the show missing it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have not been. I would have been like, oh, okay. So you watched the unrated version? Yeah. <laughs> It's like no, that's like, like a pivotal scene. Hundred percent more Nazis. <laughs> well, I'll go back to where I was gonna go with that. Is I totally thought when um they he was like, oh come on, what the other pilot who crashed? I can't remember mm-hmm. what when he was like kind of egging egging him on. I really expected to see Tom or Tom Hardy. You, I was about to say Tom Holland because of you, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was gonna see tom hardy's plane just smash into that thing and he was just going to self-sacrifice because i didn't think he was going to bail out of the hey, thing you know 100 percent. because i didn't know the events i kept thinking wait a minute wouldn't it be a baller ass move for tom hardy to just roll around and aim the thing back to where all the troops are and just wreck it in knowing it's gonna hit right there i, I yeah. kept being like is this what's gonna happen is That's he gonna I, like is he gonna crash into where they're doing to try and give more time that we know is completely uninterrupted mm-hmm. i yeah, thought I, I was like that would have been a baller move yeah that would have been a cool cool way to go but since I, I appreciate that the movie didn't do that, if that's not even remotely accurate, you know, it's just not knowing the events. My mind was left to wonder, like, oh, what's going to happen? Is he going to self-sacrifice? Yeah. Which I guess, in a way, he sacrificed his his temporary freedom and maybe even his life. I, I mean, you know, I don't know what happened to him in the long run. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that who that character was based around actually survived. I assume that he existed. Yeah, I would imagine so. so. Yeah, there's definitely a pilot there. <laughs> See, but that's the thing about these types of movies, right? Is mm-hmm. that you have to you're trying to like find the line of like what where's the fiction and where's the reality? And you have that moment where like when I was watching him lower the wheels and just crank them. First of all, I was like, that's crazy. I never thought of it, but that makes so much sense. That how else would they have landing gears? Like it's going to have to be on something that you have to move. So that was cool. But I kind of thought to myself like. Did that really happen though? Like, did this guy really land on the beach and then get captured? And did he do it with that much skill and poise? Or is this just like, well, this is a movie. Let's make it a little cool. Like, let's give him one really cool movie fied thing. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine that was more of a movie thing because I don't know. I, I, I was like, is he just, did he just choose to go down with the ship? Because he opens up the hatch to bail and then for some reason just chooses not to obviously he because he lands the plane which was badass but i'm like are you just gonna crash your plane and not bail like that's how i thought it was gonna play out. i'm glad it didn't obviously um yeah, yeah i don't know so the one thing that we've been skirting around this entire time which i have yeah. to ask you guys did any of you find it impressive that my main man tommy this poor mm-hmm. dude held a shit in that entire time (laughs) 
I didn't even think of that. Did he mention that he had to take a shit? He crouched this down man and tried, tried to take a pooping shit like three twice. Times. Oh, really? I didn't know. In the very at all. beginning. When he's, the last time he did it was when he saw that guy burying the friend. Yeah, uh-huh. and then he went and, and then he him. stopped, and then it never mentioned it again. But, like, dude, yeah. take a fucking shit. Where, what the fuck is going on? Poop and on I kept beach. thinking, all these bombs are going off, and there's this crazy shit, and he's lowering his head. I'm like, either this guy has just shit his pants, and it's war, so no one gives a shit, or he's being a trooper and holding it through all of this. <laughs> he's got oh, a, uh, anal beads <laughs> holding him in. I couldn't imagine because I had to take a shit at work today and I made it a whole three minutes before I was like, I got to go. Be right back. See, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, what were they eating back then? Because, like, he had, like, you see him grabbing the papers and pulling his pants down, and it's quite a few seconds before someone ends up being shot at the very start of the movie that's what he's doing um and then he has that thing where it's like okay i was like surely he started shitting by now but then he pulls his pants up like he never even got started and i was like how long does it take this man to shit like he clearly didn't have to shit that bad right yeah i was like you know if if i'm if i gotta shit and i'm like oh okay we gotta go real quick then i'm all about hey pull the pants down it's about to be coming this man (laughs) doesn't or he pinches one off real quick and then pulls his pants up. Maybe it's that's what it is. But then he tries to shit again, which at least means that he either didn't shit at all or didn't get it all out. And then <laughs> manages to go this entire movie without shitting anymore. He was uh, turtling a little bit. Also, the fact that he just looked at the guy with his pants down. If I was already there, I'd be like, look, dude, I'm shitting. <laughs> like, yeah. I, would, I would probably eye lock that other guy and just be like, listen... <laughs> Sorry. I started shitting before I knew you were there. This is what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh, man. Uh, how did we feel about the performances of this movie, including um, potentially one that might have stood out to any of our teeny bopper listeners? <laughs> I thought they were good. Yeah. Nothing standout-ish, but nothing bad at all. Yeah. So who's, good. who would stand out to our teeny bopper listeners? So apparently, Styles. none of you are One Direction fans. I just is that who that was? Now that you said that, like, that was the one who was being <laughs> racist about the German dude. I mean, yes. Oh, fucking frog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, I guess Styles. technically he ended up being racist against the French guy. Yeah, <laughs> but he was being racist towards the assumed German beforehand. I mean, which, listen. If I was fighting in World War II, I would be a little fucking racist towards the goddamn Germans. <laughs> More interesting Hell, now I'm that German you say, I still am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say the first chapter of the movie is called the mole, and while that's actually like the terminology they use for those little embankment areas, mm. I wonder if it animal. was. It is, uh, but more fitting to the movie, it's the term that they <laughs> use for that area. <laughs> but I find it interesting whenever. Because that was the only part I saw. It's like you, I didn't see the one for the sea. So when I saw that, and then you have them in the boat being like, he's a German spy, I was like, is that what they meant by the mole? Because that's when that guy is discovered. Yeah. Like that's when they see the guy who they're pointing out. Yeah. Then I thought it was morbid. They were all like, he hasn't said anything. I'm like, yeah, but nobody said anything. This movie has very little dialogue. You're literally, that. Oh, another interesting fact is this movie has a 75 page script, and Christopher Nolan wanted no script. Oh, that you know what? That would have been ballsy. It would have been, but the not a single said, word spoken. No, he he just wanted to do it improv the whole movie. I'm not even kidding. That's just <laughs> a fact. Not That's a true. single word spoken. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is I was, I mean, I'm telling you right now, watching the movie, I was like, I wonder how much of this they could just get by with visual storytelling and not say a word. 
Think and how effective would it still be? I think most of the movie. You think a lot is already eighty <laughs> percent yeah. smoking. That's already a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, but I think that even some of the dialogue parts could have been skipped over with the same. Like you know, it would be just as tense if on the when they're laying in the bottom of that boat when they're worried about the Germans that are shooting outside and they're trying talk. to turn. Yeah, He's it would make sense for them to not say anything. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like little suggestive noises, like hmm. Hmm. You know, little mm. crap like that would have been kind of cool. But I also think it would have been interesting to ad lib everything. I guess what would you just sit all the actors down and be like, listen, here's what happened at Dunkirk. You're just a guy who's in the middle of this. Put yourself there and just say what comes to mind. I, yeah, I mean, I don't Seth know. Seth Rogen how- and Bill Hader movie. <laughs> Dunkirk featuring Seth Rogen. <laughs> I'd watch it. He's <laughs> <laughs> just running down the beach. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans. <laughs> Let me smoke some weed. <laughs> that is I'm, not, I'm not a funny stand up comedian. <laughs> that is the worst, 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 worst Seth Green I've ever heard. I thought it was Seth Rogen. I thought he called into the show. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like the lady that's been smoking for like 72 years and has to press. <laughs> oh, how listen, you doing, honey? Listen, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you exactly what happened to Dunkirk, but I was there. <laughs> I'll show you. Come she up to my bedroom for a cigarette. On that boat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would have been either way would have been cool. A completely, I won't say silent movie, but a movie that didn't have any spoken dialogue mm-hmm. and just the occasional sound of like people being gasping and ducking and everything. Yeah. I It probably would have made. Well, because, like, again, you could still have, like, some of the screams and stuff. Maybe you wouldn't even have them audibly say, help me. Or maybe that's as much as you leave in is ambient dialogue, like, yeah. like you know, help me. And maybe that makes it even more haunting when no one ever says anything that gives you any real sense of assurance. Yeah, I agree. I, do, I, I don't know. I think you needed at least some from, like, the admirals. But I would have been I interested mean, to see what would have happened without the script, but the studio is like absolutely fucking not. I know who you are, and we're still not letting you do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which seems right. Well, I I honestly don't have much more to say. <laughs> um, kind of hope I'm, you guys would like the movie a little bit more, I guess. But well, it's really fine. It's not like I said. It's not that I don't like it. And actually, going into it, I was a little worried that I wasn't going to like it, and like to to the point where I just didn't even care to watch it. And it at least had me interested in keeping watching it. Like I said, I it's it wasn't just my absolute favorite time, and there was just some element about it that didn't completely click with me. But I still enjoyed watching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. I liked it. I don't know. There's some war movies especially world war ii movies that i rewatch a lot but i don't think this will be one of them but maybe on a rewatch later it'll click with me i don't know because yeah. i did not like it i liked it so i could see I'll myself probably rewatch it at some point yeah i yeah. think the only way i i liked it and i think the only way i would really rewatch it is if like my brother was like hey i want to watch it yeah. Like, okay sure um well, I think it still comes down to the timeline for me. Like maybe, and I don't know when I'd have time, but maybe if I ever did sit down and rewatch it, maybe the timeline does do more than I'm giving it credit for. You know, maybe there really is something to be said there. But the, even just, as someone who likes what they what the movie did, I don't think the timeline af- affects it one way or the other. I think if they yeah. told the movie linear, it would have been just as good to me. 
to me it was kind of like reading a game of thrones book where like you read a brand chapter then you read an aria chapter then you read a daenerys chapter and it's all happening at the same time and then the story moves on that kind of way um I, I that's not exactly how i took it because it was clear that some of this stuff had happened prior you know i mean and like one of the things i kind of had going on is what you were talking about cillian murphy's character yeah where it was never made clear to me exactly why he was on top of that boat because we never we saw him get out of the thing that sank from the the u-boat yeah that he says and we saw him get out and get on a boat and go elsewhere so how the hell was why was he out there that was one of those things where because of the timeline it may have even showed it but i was this i feel like showing it in order would have ended up fixing that for me but ultimately like you're saying for you since it wasn't a detractor for you and i don't think it was a huge one for me but it still was something of note i think that for me, the fact that they did it mean that I expected more from it. If mm-hmm. it would have been linear and been the exact same story, I would have been like, that makes sense because of what they're telling. Yeah. But if you're going to introduce this you know, non-linear storytelling like they're doing, then I expect you to do more with it. It just feels like you're doing it just to say that you did it. That's again. That's It's like when you'd be like, I wrote a song using only words that start with C, but it's mm-hmm. not a good song. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not saying this movie isn't good. I don't want to go that I'm just saying that you can do a lot of things just to say you did it, but it doesn't mean that you did anything with it. Right, you know? for sure. Um, Blake, do you have anything else you want to kind of discuss about the movie? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered everything. I'm trying to recall anything that I may have forgotten, but I've looked through my notes, and we've pretty much covered most of what I wrote. I didn't write down a whole mm. lot, but I liked um, it. It was good. Yeah. Brett, how about you? Do you got anything else you want to hit on before we uh, get on our lifeboats and get up out of here? Not necessarily. I guess for me, it's just... It's given me a weird sense of wanting to... like Now I think I want to watch 1917 since I bought it and own it. Yeah, dude, it's so fucking good. And I think... I I don't want to do it immediately for the show, uh, but I want... I have more of an interest in watching it now to see if it sits more fondly with me or if... Because I don't know how much to what element it is that I'm not normally a huge war movie fan. It's just not something I'm super into. But also that I've told you... like on Twitter at hashtag fuck the troops. (laughs) (laughs) god damn man but the other thing is like i said i think world war ii gets mentioned so often and we talked about that chris plenty of times like even on the order spoiler chats that we Mm -hmm. did to where i understand that it's such an impactful time in our history that people pull from it often but a lot of media that i or a lot of different media types that i consume end up talking about to the point where it feels like it's so often that I have grown numb to it. I think at one point in time, I thought it was more novel. And now because it's just normally, that's what I'll give this movie that credit. It was a part of World War II that I was unfamiliar with. And that was, I think, probably the thing that pulled me the most. Because yeah. I was getting to watch a World War II movie where I wasn't having to see D-Day for the 10,000th time across so many mediums. You should and watch- I'm not... <sighs> Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You should watch Hacksaw Ridge. It's another World War II movie that's not about D-Day. 
and is fucking incredible. I actually started that movie and something happened and I had to quit watching it. That's the one with Andrew Garfield, correct? Yeah, it's so. Yeah, another yeah. Uh, Harry Styles movie. <laughs> is he in that too? <laughs> I think he is. I think he's I the brother. Because I remember I watched part of the movie and had to quit. But yeah, I, I appreciate that, and that's why I think, like I told Chris, I'm a big fan of when people choose to take World War II and still use it to influence the work that they're doing with, but then do alternate history stuff with it because it's something new and fresh that I've not been told a thousand times. So, of course, while I am aware of some of the World War II history that was that's not D-Day, apparently this wasn't one of them i'm sure at one point in time i've heard of this in passing and it just didn't stick with me but my complaint was always that clearly world war ii happened for years and years and years so d-day can't be the only thing that we could talk about with it and i appreciated that about this movie i mean like you know my thing about call of duty is that we have like four call of duty games that are all about d-day and world war ii and it just gets to a point where it's like eh. brad we can't but, do this we can't do this i, I want to fight you so bad so we can't i think you're just so fucking wrong and i don't i'm gonna move we're gonna move on so what i really liked the the last thing i want to talk about because i thought this was like the genuinely most one of my favorite lines of the whole movie was um when you had the admirals and they were saying you know you can practically see it from here and they were like what and it was home that to me was like that's so fucked up because it's kind of reminds me of when you're like you're like kind of you're 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 coming back from a long road trip and you're like oh i'm back in town kind of thing yeah, and like, you, you know that feeling on top of the fact that like if you don't get there very soon you're gonna die <laughs> you know it was that kind of line kind of made a li- it was very uh affecting to me i really like that was one of the few actual lines that i wrote down in my notes was yeah no that, that was line. a great line mm-hmm. so yeah I also think- fuck d-day <laughs> next week Next week's episode is going to be without Brett because I'm just not going to edit, put his uh, dialogue in the show. So, Brett's awesome. <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted from the movie. Uh, um, anyway, do we have anything else we want to discuss about Christopher Nolan's best movie besides Interstellar Dunkirk? Interstellar Dunkirk? Is that like both <laughs> these movies did the fusion dance and came together? I would watch it. And Stella I just Kirk. Want to say that there was not near enough spaghetti in this movie. Ugh. Also, not I don't near enough Normandy. What the I hell? Hate that movie. Yeah, there wasn't enough Normandy. I would rather have watched D Day. So um, the last thing we're gonna do here, I, we don't normally do this, but I, I want to do it because it's my episode. So I'm gonna do it. I want to recommend a book to everyone about World War II because I really like this book. It's how I kind of re- did a lot of my research on Dunkirk. It's called Inferno by Max Hastings. Brilliant book. If you are interested in World War II, go read it. Let me know you read it. That would make me feel really good. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead and rate. Uh, Blake, what's your rating for the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half stars out of five. <laughs> Brett, how about you? You know, I, 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 to go with my gut, I think I'm actually right there with Blake. Three and a half. Okay. Well, I gave it uh, four and a half stars, and I really liked it. Um, Hell yeah. My turn who's, to uh, It's your turn to <laughs> pick. Blake, do you have Brett's. a pick? Oh, Brett. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> I got to edit shit because of you. <laughs> Brett, what's your movie just next week? It's a joke in. It's just I'm not going to cut it out. Now I got to cut that out. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You're compounding the problem, Blake. I don't know if you're serious or not. 
<laughs> Brett, what's so, your movie? The movie I picked, actually, it was going to be a different one, but I wasn't just really happy about it. But then you posted the movie list that you bought. <laughs> yeah, um, my gigantic and fucking list. It's a week. movie that I have been so curious about rewatching because I've only seen it once and I was like probably 13. Are you going to so, pick Godzilla 2000? No. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> that would have been sucks. really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I bought it. It sucks. Another <laughs> Life War movie. I don't know why you brought, bought it either. I guess you want Matthew Bod- Broderick just uh, being around. It's all about Getting, the worms, man. Yeah. Uh, so the movie I'm going with, though, because I, I think about it often, and I'm like, I feel like I remember this being a good movie, but it's just weird, edgy teenage memories that like mixed with it. So I'm going to choose The Butterfly Effect. Okay. All right. I'm down. Yeah. So be, right. be a nice change of pace, you know. Fuck yeah. Complete fiction. Yeah, it's good Are movie. we doing the unrated, extended, or not? Because it is a very big difference. The, the, ending, com- the completely ending completely changed from the director's cut, have. correct? I, I don't think I have the director's cut. So we're going to no. be watching the original. The original is better. The direct- Yeah, this appears to be just the regular one. Okay, good. That's the better one. So which version are we watching, Brett? Yeah, it's the We're watching one. the regular edition. <laughs> okay. All right. So this very terrible segue from the ending of the podcast is me in the future editing in uh, Winston Churchill's speech after Dunkirk. It's about 12 minutes long. Uh, I found it very interesting and I thought it would add some interesting context to the episode. So stick around after that if you'd like to hear Brett read off your name if you are a patron. Otherwise, uh, thank you and join us next week for The Butterfly Effect. When a week ago today, Mr. Speaker, I asked the House to fix this afternoon as the occasion for a statement, I feared it would be my hard lot to announce the greatest military disaster in our long history. I thought, and some good judges agreed with me, that perhaps 20 or 30,000 men might be re-embarked. But it certainly seemed that the whole of the French First Army and the whole of the British Expeditionary Force north of the Amiens-Abbeville Gap would be broken up in the open field or else would have to capitulate for lack of food and ammunition. These were the hard and heavy tidings for which I called upon the House and the nation to prepare themselves a week ago. The whole root and core and brain of the British Army on which and around which we were to build and are to build the great British armies in the later years of the war seemed about to perish upon the field or be led into an ignominious and starving captivity. The enemy attacked us on all sides with great strength and fierceness. And their main power, the power of their far more numerous air force, was thrown into the battle or else concentrated upon Dunkirk and the beaches. Pressing in upon the narrow exit, both from the east and from the west, the enemy began to fire with cannon upon the beaches by which alone the shipping could approach or depart. 
They sowed magnetic mines in the channels and seas. They sent repeated waves of hostile aircraft, sometimes more than a hundred strong in one formation, to cast our bombs upon the single pier that remained, and upon the sand dunes, on which the troops had their only shelter. Their U-boats, one of which was sunk, and their motor launches took the toll of the vast traffic which now began. For four or five days an intense struggle reigned. All their armored divisions, or what was left of them, together with great masses of infantry and artillery, hurled themselves in vain upon the ever-narrowing, ever-contracting appendix within which the British and French armies fought. Meanwhile, the Royal Navy, with the willing help of countless merchant seamen, strained every nerve to embark the British and Allied troops. 220 light warships and 650 other vessels were engaged. They had to operate upon the difficult coast, and often in adverse weather, under an almost ceaseless hail of bombs and an increasing concentration of artillery fire. Nor were the seas, as I have said, themselves free from mines and torpedoes. It was in conditions such as these that our men carried on with little or no rest for days and nights on end, making trip after trip across the dangerous waters, bringing with them always men whom they had rescued. The numbers they have brought back are the measure of their devotion and their courage. The hospital ships which brought off many thousands of British and French wounded, being so plainly marked, were a special target for Nazi bombs. But the men and women on board them never faltered in their duty. Meanwhile, the Royal Air Force, which had already been intervening in the battle, so far as its range would allow, from our home bases, now used part of its main metropolitan fighter strength and struck at the German bombers and at the fighters which in large numbers protected them. This struggle was protracted and fierce. Suddenly the scene is cleared. The crash and thunder and for the moment, but only for the moment, died away. A miracle of deliverance achieved by valor, by perseverance, by perfect discipline, by faultless service, by resource, by skill, by unconquerable fidelity, is manifest to us all. The enemy was hurled back by the retreating British troops. They were so roughly handled that he did not carry their departure seriously. Sir, we must be very careful not to assign to this deliverance the attributes of a victory. Wars are not won by evacuations. But there was a victory inside this deliverance which should be noted. It was gained by the Air Force. Many of our soldiers coming back have not seen the Air Force at work. They saw only the bombers which escaped its protective attack 
the underrated achievements. I've heard much talk of this. And that is why I go out of my way to say this. I will tell you about it. This was a great trial of strength between the British and German air forces. Can you conceive a greater objective for the Germans in the air than to make evacuation from these beaches impossible? And to sink all these ships which were displayed almost to the extent of thousands? Could there have been an objective of greater military importance and significance for the whole purpose of the war of this? They tried hard and they were beaten back. They were frustrated in their task. We got the army away and they have paid fourfold for any losses which they have inflicted. Sir, when we consider how much greater would be our advantage in defending the air above this island against an overseas attack, I must say that I find in these facts a sure basis upon which practical and reassuring thoughts may rest. I will pay my tribute to these young airmen. The great French army was very largely, for the time being, cast back and disturbed for the onrush of a few thousands of armored vehicles. May it not also be that the cause of civilization itself will be defended by the skill and devotion of a few thousand airmen. There never has been, I suppose, in all the world, in all the history of war, such an opportunity for use. The Knights of the Round Table the Crusaders all fall back into the past, not only distant, but prosaic. These young men going forth every morn to guard their native land and all that we stand for, holding in their hands these instruments of colossal and shattering power, of whom it may be said that every morn brought forth a noble chance, and every chance brought forth a noble night deserve our gratitude and to all the brave men in so many ways and on so many occasions are ready and continue ready to give life and all for their native land. Nevertheless, our thankfulness at the escape of our army and so many men whose loved ones have passed through an agonizing week, but not blind us to the fact that what happened in France and Belgium is a colossal military disaster. The French army has been weakened, the Belgian army has been lost, a large part of those fortified lines upon which so much faith had been reposed is gone, many valuable mining districts and factories have passed into the enemy's possession, the whole of the channel ports on its hands with all the tragic consequences that follow from that and we must expect another blow to be struck almost immediately at us or at France. We are told, sir, that Herr Hitler has a plan for invading the British Isles. This has often been thought of before. When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year with his flat-bottom boats, 
and his grand army, he was told by someone, there are bitter weeds in England. There are certainly a great many more of them since the British Expeditionary Force returned. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of His Majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation, the British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it was subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Alright, Brett, I'll take us out of here on this very short episode of Midweek Matt and I. Yeah, Thank this you, is one Travis of the shortest. Lenovo. Travis Lenovo. <laughs> this is a fucking laptop. If your name is Travis Lenovo and you listen, please become a patron. And if you become a patron, send me your PayPal. I'll give you the dollar every month that you spend for us. I just want your name on the list now. So, <laughs> anyway, if you like the show, uh, consider going around and finding us on social media so you can interact with us outside of that. You can go to the Discord, which is linked down in the, ep- uh, the description below. Uh, you can go and find us on Twitter at matinee underscore midweek, or you can find us individually. Mr. Chris Figs is at F-I-G-Z-2-1-K. You can find Blake at Popest underscore Blake underscore 92. You can find me at the Twitter for our weekly PlayStation podcast that I do with my buddy Saul, Triangle Square to PlayStation podcast. That's at Triangle S-Q-R-D. And if you'd like to support the show with more than just your time, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. It gets you episodes of this show early, episodes of our video game series that we do for individual games called Spoiler Chats, mm. and more uh, early access, as well as getting all of our patrons' names called off at the end of the episode as a huge thank you for the support. So without further ado, we'd like to give a special shout out to Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Sanderud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, 
The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kinney, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Tabib, Jason Clendenning, and lastly, Richard Schaefer. The show is possible in large part due to you guys, so thank you so much. and congratulations you have discovered the secret message midweek matinee is produced and edited by christopher figueroa music is by joshua lago thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us and lastly please send your itunes reviews to old pink care of the funny farm <laughs>